preaching from verse 46 to verse 52, uh, but I want to preach under this title today, Cheer Up. Look at somebody next to you and say, Cheer Up. Cheer Up. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that's here already, your presence. Lord, I pray that you would encourage someone this morning. I pray that you would touch their life. God, help us, Lord, to take the appropriate steps toward you and you to move toward us, God, and help us. Lord, I pray that you'd fill somebody with the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd give somebody a miracle. God, I did not come to just entertain your word, but I came to entertain your presence and your power to see signs following. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone say amen. The day might have been beautiful. Might have been a day like today, sun shining, just a gorgeous, crisp, clean air day. Might have heard the birds sing, the sky bright, absent of any cloud that could bring with it the potential of ruin of that clear day. Perhaps it was overcast. Birds were hiding, doing what they do, silently waiting, holding their breath to see if there would be that horrendous, this thunderous clap of the skies that brought with it a deluge of rain. It might have been a cool morning. Could have been a day where it was going to say the heat was going to come out and just be a roasting day. He might have thought about the weather, as he navigated the morning routine, readying himself for the day, or maybe not. Maybe he didn't think of it at all. It really did not much matter. Regardless of the weather, he had to go. He knew he had to go. It was going to be one of the busiest days of the year. He could not afford to miss it. It was a day of potential. That's what this day had. A lot of potential. This kind of potential did not come around often. So Bart got himself ready to leave the house early so he could get to the spot he had picked out. It was a good spot. You might even say it was a perfect spot. Maybe even the best spot on the street, just outside the city, right there along the roadside that headed to the next major city. That was the spot. The major city that this road led to was having a festival, and Bart knew there would be a lot of traffic. Perfect for his business. His business did really well when there was a lot of traffic. What was Bart's business? probably not what you imagine. You're only accustomed to seeing this type of business occasionally. It's not practiced as widely as it once was, definitely not as in his day. In many ways, it was easy, but in just as many ways, it was difficult. Complex, that's the best description. That's the right word. Bart's business was complex. Bart had to mind the details, pay close attention. His clothes had to be perfect for his task. His voice had to be 
warmed up. His tools and skills had to be sharp. Bart was in the business of moving people. Now, not what you're thinking. He was not a mover. He didn't move people. But he had to move people. He had to move them to take action. Everything depended on them taking action. Most people didn't know it. There was a lot of unseen pressure in his business. He had to get attention from people who preferred not to be bothered. Bart was experienced. He could get their attention. He could get their attention like the mall kiosk salesman peddling his wares that you know are not really worth even the time that you stop and give them for their sales pitch. And if you're like me, most of them you just brush off and wave them away saying no thanks and you just keep walking because you know if you stop, you're going to have to hear the whole thing because they're going to keep talking. Bart was that good. That's exactly how a lot of people reacted to Bart. They would just wave him off and just keep walking. Some of them didn't even make eye contact. They didn't look. But he'd figured out how to get enough attention to be noticed and to make a living. However, Bart, he didn't have anything to sell. There was no product. That's right. He didn't have a product. He didn't have anything to peddle. Actually, you might say he was the product. Or rather, you might say it was his condition that was a product. Bart was blind. But it wasn't really Bart that struggled with seeing. It was other people. They could look at him, but they couldn't see him. They couldn't quite understand. They didn't take time to understand. Blindness is not a condition that is as simple as not having vision. We often think that blindness means that it's just black and you can't see anything, but the reality is blindness comes in degrees. Most people think that if you're blind, you're living that life in darkness. And that's true for some. Complete blindness is a real thing, but blindness varies from person to person. Some are totally blind, others may see undefined shapes, light, shadows, figures. But people assume that if you're blind, then you must be totally blind. There were a lot of assumptions about Bart. It was common. People often made these assumptions. And some of these common assumptions in Bart's day were this, that he must in some way deserve his blindness. Maybe it was God's judgment on him for sin. Maybe it was judgment on his parents for some past wrong or his grandparents or his family heritage for sins generationally rolled over. Other assumptions were that he was worthless, that he was helpless, that he was a drain on society, that there could be no benefit in having a blind man. For Bart, being blind in his time meant being a beggar. That's what he did. It was the only thing he could do. Blind people were at the bottom of the social scale and could only beg. That's the only career path out there. 
there was not much worse than being a blind beggar in Jericho. And Bart hated it. But what could he do? So he navigated haphazardly without help through the city to the spot on the road leading from Jericho to Jerusalem. That road would be full of pedestrian traffic. And he would sit and get as much attention as a blind beggar could gather. Bart was never overlooked. People were aware that he was there. But they would move away when they saw him and heard him, thinking that he didn't know because he's blind. But he knew. He was never overlooked. But he was, as often as could be, ignored. And that's what he had worked his entire life to overcome, being ignored. He was ignored his whole life. His whole life he was ignored. No one even had taken enough time with him to give him a proper name. I'm calling him Bart this morning, but that isn't his name. You know him or know of him. You might think you know his name, but you don't. You do know his dad's name, Timaeus. He was just known as the son of Timaeus, or Bar Timaeus. That's what scripture tells us, that his name, his reference, what he was called by was Bar Timaeus, and Bar just means son of. His whole reference of life was, that's the son of Timaeus. No name, undervalued, ignored, never having received a name. And I'm talking to someone today that you know what that's like. You know what it is to be undervalued. You know what it is to be overlooked and ignored. You probably have a name. Somebody took time to do that. But at some point you were overvalued or undervalued and you were overlooked and you were ignored. Told maybe that you would never. That you never could. That you won't that you can't, that you're limited. Bartimaeus probably means that his dad was blind also, since they referenced his dad. Maybe they were saying of him, he's just like his dad, he's blind too. Maybe the same sins are in his life that were in his dad's life. Maybe it's because his dad sinned. Just like they often say of us, she's just like her mom, he's just like his dad. They'll never escape the family identity and curse. The same sins, the same failures, they can never overcome those or change those things. The story's going to be the same with them. But on this day for Bartimaeus, the years of experience that he gathered Overcoming people who ignored his presence on a roadside would become the thing that would benefit him. Because it was very natural for him to call out to see what heads would turn his direction. He would maybe call out and say, alms for the poor, or hey, I'm blind, can you help me, sir? Ma'am, do you have anything that you can give? So when he heard that Jesus was in the crowd, 
it came naturally for him to start calling. Calling out loud enough to be heard, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It was a common phrase spoken often to Jesus. Something easily that could be ignored. The Canaanite woman whose daughter was demon possessed, she said it to him in Matthew chapter 15. The ten lepers all said it to him in Luke 17. Jesus, have mercy on me. Probably countless others, untold. Because when you're miserable, you call for mercy. So Bartimaeus called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Someone tried to hush him. But louder he called. He ignored their warning to be quiet. He was desperate. He was in a desperate situation. He hated his life. He hated his circumstance. And he had to act right now. It may never come again, this opportunity where Jesus was coming by. And so he had to act right then. And so he called out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Someone tried to calm him. He couldn't be calm called out more desperately Jesus I'm over here son of David have mercy on me because desperate people will not let the crowd keep them from Jesus and I want to know is someone desperate here today because I am desperate for the Lord to move in our midst. I am desperate for the Lord to move in this church. I am desperate for the Lord to move in my life. I am not satisfied with everything as it is, but I have been moved to the point of desperation. My circumstance has got to change. Something in my life has got to change. I need him more now than I ever needed him. And so I say, Jesus, have mercy on on me people in misery call for mercy psalm 4 and 1 says hear me when i call O god of my righteousness you have relieved me in my distress have mercy on me and hear my prayer from the beginning of time until now misery has always called out for mercy and you may be in misery today but listen, the misery, misery has the object of mercy. Misery is the object of mercy. That's why we have mercy. It is to satisfy misery. And his, his mercy is for you. His mercy endures forever and it will not end. It's made fresh and new every day. Psalm 106 and 107 start with this. Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So you may be in a miserable moment. You may find yourself in a miserable life, a miserable situation, but his mercy is for you. Psalm 107 and 1, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. He and his mercy are for you. Jeremiah said of his mercy, though the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. 
what's new. His mercy and his compassion. Mercy is the thing that draws the attention and says, Lord, have mercy on me. And he starts to look your direction. And then his compassion is the thing that compels him to act in your situation. And both of those things are made new every morning. And that's why that Jeremiah could say, great is your faithfulness. Because your mercies, it's new today. Your compassion, it's new today. It's being renewed over and over and over. So Bartimaeus called for mercy. He called for Jesus. And when Jesus heard him, he called back to Bartimaeus. And for him, he wanted him to come to where Jesus was at. And he said, come on, send him to me. Bring him my direction. He was asking for the blind man to get up from his place and come to where Jesus was at. This seems kind of funny, doesn't it? You would think Jesus in his compassion and mercy would walk over to where Bartimaeus was at. But that's not what happened. He said, bring him to me. You come to where I'm at. That's just it. Jesus calls us to show just how deep our faith goes. Are we willing to do what is difficult to respond to his invitation? And his call is always ringing. He calls the blind, but he doesn't just call them to nothing. He calls them to see. He calls the deaf, and he calls them to hear. He calls the wounded to be healed. He calls the guilty to be pardoned. He calls the empty to be filled. He calls the tempted to be delivered. He calls the hungry to eat, and he calls the thirsty to drink. Jesus calls, and he calls us out of our misery. That's what he does. Like Bartimaeus being called from his perfect spot for being a blind beggar. Jesus calls. He's calling you right now. Bartimaeus, in his response, it says he threw off his garment, Mark 10, 15. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. But if you went and looked a little bit deeper into that one little statement, there's so much there, it's powerful to understand. I almost titled this, Spiritual Insights from a Blind Man. Because there are some spiritual insights in this one verse that you need to understand and you need to get a hold of. He threw aside the garment. He rose and he came to Jesus. Bartimaeus sprang up. It wasn't that he just kind of slowly got up. In that context, it says that he sprang up. He was quick to jump up. He got to his feet and he was quickly moving. Think about that. That blind man may not have even known solidly what direction to go, but he jumped up and he was going to go where Jesus was at and he cast off that cloak that outer garment Bartimaeus was a professional yeah he was a beggar but he was a professional beggar that garment had been intentionally kept it was dirty it was soiled it was messed up it was the clothing of something of someone that would get the attention of people that were around him as they walked by because if they did look, he wanted them to know, I am a beggar. I am broken. I need help. And anything you can do will help me. It had all the visible signs of the garment of a person who was destitute that needed to elicit a response from people. Bartimaeus threw that, that garment off and he left it with no guarantee that he would ever get it back. Listen to me. 
He threw it off, not knowing that he would ever return to it. He decided, I'm not going back to where I was. He left the garment right there. Some other beggar could come along and grab that garment and throw it on and get in his spot, his perfect spot. But he was throwing all of those things off. If he wanted to stay in the same circumstance, he would have taken that garment with him. But he had no desire. You see, there was a law about how to treat the garment of a neighbor. Exodus 22, 26 through 27, it says, If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge... You shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. That garment was so important that the Lord gave them instructions how to treat people who lost their garments. But Bartimaeus said, I'm done with this. I'm done with this life. Jesus, I have Jesus' attention. I'm throwing off my garment. He threw that garment of a beggar off. A life he was leaving behind. If you go on and read the rest of the story, Jesus says, what do you want me to do? He says, I want to be healed. I want to have my sight. I want to be able to see. I want my circumstance to change. I want my life to be different. I want a different outcome than what I've been getting coming here every day and sitting in the same spot, and only you can do that. And what's interesting about that is if you go one chapter before, there was another group of people that came to Jesus, James and John. And they came to Jesus with their mom. Jesus said, what can I do for you? And they said, let us sit on your right hand come into your power they wanted a seat of glory they couldn't see what Jesus was about they could only see that Jesus was going to have some authority they couldn't see that Jesus was about to be broken and go to a cross for people's healing for their salvation for their deliverance and pay the price of sin they couldn't see even though he had been talking to them about the cross they couldn't see it you go one chapter later and the people who called for Jesus to go to a cross they could not see him they couldn't see Jesus knows what it is to be overlooked he knows what it is to be undervalued he knows what it is to be ignored Jesus knew exactly what Bartimaeus was living so when he said, what do you need? He didn't ask for a glory seat. He didn't ask for any position of place. He just said, I need my brokenness to be resolved. I need my sight. Jesus said to him in verse 52, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. In that one statement, your faith has made you whole. It means, and the common word there used, it means saved. Your faith has saved you. Your faith and your action 
you're responding to my call that has resolved the problem that has been in your life. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Bartimaeus threw off the garment of his life. He threw off the weight. He threw off the sin. And he pursued Jesus Christ. And you know what's interesting? I'm getting ready to close. The same people who tried to calm Bartimaeus down, they tried to get him to be quiet. Bartimaeus, chill out. Take a chill pill. Those same people, when Jesus stood still, verse 49, and commanded him to be called, then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he's calling you. The same people that tried to get him to calm down, the same people that were trying to get him to hush up, not disturb the master, the same people that seemed to be against him in that moment. Oh, Jesus is looking their way now. Go ahead. Jesus is calling you. Be of good cheer. You know what they were saying? They were saying, cheer up. Cheer up. Jesus is calling you. Get up. Do what you need to do. Throw off your garment. Go to where Jesus is at. Jesus is calling you. And I want to say to someone today, cheer up. You may be facing some misery. You may be facing some things in your life, but Jesus is calling you. He's calling you right now. He's calling you to lay aside the weight and the sin of this life, and he's calling you to a new life. He's calling you to your miracle. He's calling you to your answer. He's calling you toward where he is. Get up. Do what you need to do. Cheer up. Jesus calling you. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now as a great witness. And I want to invite us to join together at the front before we do that. Let's just pray and entertain the presence of the Lord that is here right now. God, you see every person. Lord, you see every challenge that's in their life. You see the great things that they wrestle with at night that no one else knows about. God, you see the secret, deep, hidden places. God, I pray right now, Lord, that all of those things in their life, Lord, that you'd begin to touch and let them know that you see them, that you know, that you've become aware that mercy has turned toward them and is now calling them to come out of their situation and out of their circumstance. You're calling them to take action in faith, Lord. Pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone say in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? The presence of the Lord is here so great right now. There's someone that the Lord is wanting to minister to. He's wanting to touch your life. And if you'll just do like blind Bartimaeus and you'll lift up your voice and begin to say, Lord, I, I honestly, I don't know what I need to do, but God, I am just desperate. I'm overwhelmed with misery in my circumstance and in my situation. And God, I need you. I need your attention. I need you to resolve my brokenness. I need you to fill me. I need you to answer my call. 
Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't you do that as they begin to sing?